give a little fist bump to each other. It's like, well, <laughs> off we go then. <laughs> start the timer. Yeah, start the timer. Started jogging, pretty much bang on 3am, um, which was pretty good. And probably about 40 seconds later, we were lost off the trail. <laughs> it was like, right, let's go. Let's, let's fucking crush this, mate. Come on. Start running. It was like, where are we? <laughs> kind of looked at me and they said the answer was was alcohol. So ladies and gentlemen, The Tempest 2. Tom Caulfield, James Whistle, The Tempest 2. This is the story of The Tempest 2. Welcome. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, episode seven of the Tempest 2 podcast. Where are we? We are in the hotel room of the Grand Plaza Hotel. Grand not sure. Plaza? Is it? Crown Plaza. Crown Plaza. <laughs> not the Grand Plaza. Isn't that an overload? I think that's the big one in New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're not in the Grand Plaza, unfortunately. <laughs> what the a Crown, letdown. The Crown Plaza in Gerrard's Cross, not quite as premium, but still lovely. Uh, yeah. We're here. We delivered an after-dinner talk last night for a financial services company. Stayed over. Stayed over, yeah. Finished at six, but stayed over. <laughs> nah, jokes. Uh, um, so yeah, we're here. We've just been to the gym, had sit, swim and sauna. Yeah, your neck went up. Yeah, got it? injured, which is <laughs> injured myself, which is good stuff. Perfect time. Fly out in a week and a half, but the bicep curls were required. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, at least I'm absolutely swole. It's <laughs> a good reason to hurt your neck. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So here we are, episode two of Project Patagonia series. Yep. Where did we end up last time? So we had just spoken about a 1600k cycle, the terrible time we had over the nine days, uh, and we just arrived into El Chalten, which is, yeah, classic Alpine town, the iconic place, kind of like the Chamonix of the Patagonia area. That was going to be our base for the the remainder for the run and, and pretty much the remainder of the, ch- the challenge. Uh, so we'd arrived in there at probably 7pm or something. Um, made our way to the hostel that we were staying at and kind of dumped our bags before laying out a plan of of what we were going to do next which was the what this episode will be about the 65 kilometer uh, trail of the Wemmel circuit which is traditionally a four or five day hike uh, camping all on the route and it's two mountain passes it's incredible scenery it's brutal trail up kind of mountainsides, across ravines, all this sort of thing. And we, for some reason, wanted to be the first people to do it in less than 24 hours. Yeah, so we arrived in the Archer 10, dumped our bags, and then we went and spoke to the, I guess you can call them mountain guides, but we say that very, very loosely. Um, they're kind of the rangers who are responsible for the, the kind of the trail and things like that. And we went and spoke to them, let them know our plans, uh, and they were... Well, they, they had a little laugh about it because they said no one's ever attempted it before. Um, but they made it very clear that this wasn't like the Alps. It wasn't like Europe or uh, kind of the mountains in the US or Canada. And if we got in trouble, there aren't helicopters, there aren't search and rescue teams. It's literally a couple of volunteers who would maybe after realising we're stuck out there would take a couple of days to basically come and get us. So yeah, it was pretty black and white that 
we were going to be the only people on this trail. Um, we'd have very little support if anything went wrong. And we'd be kind of going 25, 30 miles out into the wilderness with no real support. And the second thing they told us, which is probably the most profound thing, was we obviously let them know we wanted to do it in 24 hours. And they gave us a bit of a weather update saying that for the next two weeks, pretty much, it was going to be solid, like high wind, high rain, um, and we wouldn't be able to accomplish it in those conditions. And they said the only chance we'd get to do it in sub-24 hours was if we left at 3 a.m. the following morning, considering at this point it's 9 p.m. the same day we arrived on the bikes which gave us a very, very short window. We were expecting, what, 48 hours? Yeah, we were looking forward to food, water, trying to catch up on some sleep, and it wasn't to be. No, so we basically left there thinking, shit, we literally need to go pretty much now. Yeah. So we ate some food, got to a hostel, unpacked the bikes, packed our little packs for the... um, for the hike, we just took tiny little day packs with, what did we have in there? We had like a sandwich. Yeah, sandwich, some energy bars. Energy bars. We had to take a harness and a little device so we could cross the traverse sections, which we had no idea how yeah, we were going to Yeah, that even, was pretty sketchy. That's what we were planning on doing on the two days as well, was figuring out how to do a traverse. Um, but we didn't have that luxury. We literally, yeah, grabbed everything as quickly as we could, bundled it in the bag, and um, yeah, three o'clock came round or 2.30 came around very quickly yeah I think we got about an hour and a half sleep yeah which wasn't ideal really for the run so we yeah woke up blurry eyed and left the hostel obviously pitch black yeah just thinking and it was pissing it down when we left the hostel I was like <laughs> shit is it we, we were pretty worried about it I think I, we didn't really know we'd never never covered any sort of distance like it no it was like the, it was a total unknown but we kind of done this thing, I think, where we broke it down into 10K sections and 10K's all right, so we'd just do a few of them and it'd be absolutely fine. But it was, uh, yeah, we, we didn't really know what, what was it, what was in store for us sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, we had our head torches on, walked out of the hostel down towards the trail past the only bar in El Chalten that, to be fair, was pretty pumping. Yeah, there's a couple of lads out there absolutely pesh, yeah. wasn't they? <laughs> absolutely steamboat. <laughs> they were kind of watching us. One guy was just swaying with a fag in his mouth. He, like, put his hand up. He was like, oh, that. Yeah. We were just like, hello. <laughs> so, should we just go in there? Yeah, it's like, oh, God, I'd much rather be that bloke right now. Music was pumping. And then... It was about a 20-minute walk from our hostel to the start of the trail. And, um, yeah, we literally just give a little fist bump to each other. It's like, well, <laughs> off we go then. <laughs> start the timer. Yeah, start the timer. Started jogging pretty much bang on 3 a.m., um, which was pretty good. And probably about 40 seconds later, we were lost off the trail. <laughs> it was like, right, let's go. Let's, let's fucking crush this, mate. Come on. Start running. It was like... Where are we? <laughs> so this first trail was quite weird. Um, there's very little written about a lot of the stuff in Patagonia, actually. But what we, we kind of managed to get a breakdown of, right, in 10K, then we've got to look out for this, and then we've got to cross this river, and then it goes to this. So we kind of had milestones in our head. But because we were leaving during kind of pitch black, we started on this trail, and suddenly we probably went up 300 feet or so in elevation, and then it all turned to snow and uh, we were walking through this kind of forest and it was deep snow and then that snow turned to basically it was like mud and water yeah Yeah. so we were kind of 
what we were expecting to do is run like this first 10k get it done really quickly but we were kind of knee deep in this bog and it, this this water was freezing cold because it's basically glacial kind of water coming out of the coming out of all the ice and stuff like that and it was so cold and suddenly it was like where's the path gone <laughs> and we had we downloaded the map on the, what was it maps.me or yeah, something like that offline hadn't we yeah uh, and had it on an iphone and that actually was a huge we wouldn't have done it if we didn't have that because wow, we basically yeah. had that little blue line which was the the kind of the path or the trail uh, and we had the little blue dot and every now and again we look at the phone and it's like oh shit me we're nowhere near it yeah. and we'd have to find it again and it was and it, all this time it was started like snowing pretty heavily and we're just looking around it's like we are totally totally lost yeah I mean, I mean we had head torches on but the visibility was so shit we couldn't see like any potential trail I think it, it probably would have been far more obvious in the light but still the trail would have been submerged remember the people before we were doing it and we were sharing our plan they were like if you can just try to keep your feet dry look after your feet uh, and that was out the window 10 minutes in yeah. drenched soaking wet we were in like these uh, trail running shoes that we thought would be ideal for it and they probably were ideal for that first 10k, but not ideal for the rest of it. Um, but then it kind of got better when the sun came up, didn't it? But it was a few yeah. hours of that, and then... That's like always, isn't it? It yeah. changes the game. It's so simple, but the sun comes up, our mood had kind of lifted, the trail became a bit more obvious. And when the sun came up, it was like, whoa. Yeah. It was dramatic scenery. We're, we're in this valley just surrounded by these peaks. It was That was pretty epic, actually. And we had our first first kind of big milestone we were aiming for was this first uh, river crossing or like traverse I don't know if you can call it a river this maybe 10 metre high yeah, traverse it was, it across was this raging pretty sketchy ravine um, and it's just a totally unmanned uh, metal wire that goes from one side to the other you had to clip onto it uh, I mean finding that thing was pretty hard to begin with yeah we took a while to find it we were trying we were looking at this river and it was like can we just run through it <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it would, really raging. It would have swept us away. <laughs> then we were like, "Oh, let's let's climb up this like this gorge wall and see if there's access over there." So we started like going up this vertical cliff, free solo. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? And then like as we were up this cliff, we turned around and we could see this this kind of traverse setup. And then we got down to it and we we're like looking over the edge down at the drop, and it was like, "Wow, man! Like, well, if you fall, if you're falling, you're dead. One thousand percent." So, rock, paper, scissors comes out. Obviously, who goes first? Every time I fucking lose. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm in. I'm in the hot seat. And, yeah, it was it was fine. But you, you kind of put this harness on. You clip on with the carabiner. But it's it's not like this thing's being kind of kept in good shape. It's, it's really old. A lot of the uh, blogs we wrote were being like, yeah, it's really, really sketchy. Um, like be careful basically so we go across and we managed to haul ourselves across it it took us probably an hour longer than it should have oh yeah a bit of we came out as well yeah. halfway across <laughs> so you had to look down and then it's like why did I look down stupid stupid man uh, and then yeah across the other side that was a actually a bit of a relief to get that over and done with it was a massive relief bang the harnesses back in the back in our backpacks and, and on we went and remember kind of Taking, trying to find a little shortcut, we end up running through this gorge and just popped out at the bottom of the glacier. We had to climb onto the top of, and then we're essentially running on an ice field for maybe a mile or so. Yeah. Um, 
which was incredible, absolutely incredible. But the shoes, well, I mean, we were, we were on the deck every every minute or two. It was a bit of a calamity, really. I think looking back, like, when you actually recall those memories, like, where we were, it was genuinely probably one of the most amazing places I've ever been. Totally. But it was very much diluted by the fact that we knew we had a, a job to do. Yeah, and we I didn't take do, it in, did we? Doing that hike must be absolutely incredible because yeah. you can kind of go at a good pace and just kind of relax and, and take it all in whereas we'd stop we'd have a sip of water we were pretty regimental with our food we'd have a bite of a bar be like right and we go again and because of that kind of routine we, we didn't really appreciate where we were and yeah it was just one foot in front of the other and it, it was very frustrating we kept getting lost and we were trying to stick to this trail and we ended up, this trail was kind of going along this this huge, loose moraine. Uh, moraine is basically like a, a steep cliff of loose shale and rock. And we kept getting lost off it. So we were basically having to climb up probably 100, 200 metres up this kind of loose stuff. And there's rocks tumbling down. It's absolutely exhausting. And then you find out you're not on the trail and you've got to go back down. It was, it was absolutely brutal. And... It's funny, you don't really think about it at the time, but one of those rocks catches you in the wrong way or you go over on your ankle or you take a fall down that. Well, if you take a fall down that, you're going all the way down. Oh, yeah, hell of a ride. And you're, you're absolutely fucked. And yeah. you don't think about it in, in that time. And I know when people kind of speak to us about adventures, they're like, oh, but what about the risk? And like, it's, it's quite dangerous. But when you're actually doing it, that doesn't really come into the equation. But it's so, so many little things can happen that would basically put you... In a pretty perilous situation. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, we, we did all right. We were we were quicker than I thought we'd be. Our yeah. fitness was actually pretty good. We were pretty religious with our eating and drinking. And because there were so many fresh streams from the glacial water, we'd fill up. And so it was perfect for that. And then we got to the top of that first mountain pass, didn't we? Yeah, the the windy pass. The or... Paso del Viento. Yeah, was it? Yeah, it was... Um, and it... Fuck me, it was windy. <laughs> it was like we're stood on the, this little path on this ice, just getting blown over, just standing there, and it's it's proper windy, like hundred miles an hour it plus. Was, it was crazy, wasn't it? So yeah, we were, we were back down the other side of that, but that was uh, again second big milestone. Really, was get to the that was a lot of climbing and scrambling and heart rate through the roof, absolutely ball bagged when we got to the top. Then we had to kind of gingerly make our way down the other side and it was just steep ice we, we ended up doing the absolute classic slide on your Sit ass on your ass yeah because that that passo de Viento is basically the the point where you turn yeah yeah so that's, that's as far out as yeah, you go the furthest point you go and you get to the top of it and you look around and by this point the snow is now like almost waist deep um it's proper kind of proper mountain territory and we've obviously got these running shoes on, so we're trying to kind of get ourselves up it without slipping over or sliding down. And you get to the top, and I remember looking over, as soon as you get to that summit, you look out kind of the other side, and you see that Patagonian ice field, which is basically a glacier. Well, it looks like an ocean, doesn't it? Yeah. You can't, see the, you can't see the edge of it. You can't see the end of it. It is like one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. And you stand there, and you're just like, just two of us on this mountain. No one else. No one near us. The nearest person is back in the town. And you just kind of take that in and you're like, shit, this is this is seriously, seriously cool. Yeah, it is amazing. I think the, the people that do it in four or five days, 
that's also a very good effort because the the packs that you got to take, they're so heavy. Yeah. Like the stuff that we were climbing up, would would be really, and that's that. I guess that's why it takes so long. Is it's um it's a proper slog. Well, it's, that's why it's, I suppose the toughest hike in in Patagonia, which, which says a lot. But you know, we were we were packing light and we were fully struggling. Um, but yeah, made that turn. It's kind of you then get, we're going alongside the ice field for the next fifteen k or something. Uh, stopped for lunch at the the refuge hut, and uh, that for me is the the point where it starts to That's go downhill. It, That's where it all unravelled. I think it? maybe something in our head of you know, like you said, we've we've gone as far out. We're kind of it almost like the we were on our way home now so that the maybe the motivation had, had changed or, or something weird and I also think we were battered we hit our wall yeah yeah everyone talks about marathons when you hit that wall and I think we got to that must be 30k I think it was I think it was 35 40k yeah. I remember doing the video um, and I think it was like a marathon we'd done yeah which and is way further than we've oh ever gone before God, miles further and we sat down, we had some lunch, and we but you could tell... It was maybe way, 3 p.m., so we're 12 hours in, pretty much. The way we're talking, we started to get a bit, like, you know, like, slurring the words a bit. <laughs> just, just a bit like, oh, hang on. All the telltale yeah, signs it's a little bit like, of losing your head. I think I'm having a bit of a breakdown here. <laughs> uh, so are you crying? And we like, kind of looked at each other a bit, and it was like, ooh, like, okay, let's get moving. Yeah. And it all just went downhill from there. It, the the final... Not literally, unfortunately. <laughs> no, it was, a, well, went uphill again, and... We had to pass another kind of mountain pass and then we got to the the descent which in our head was like okay we're now coming back down the mountain this is this is kind of the glory run and that descent was that is the thing that really pushed us over the edge i think that that properly killed us yeah it was the, the trail went to nothing we were like climbing there's like the odd random bits of like tatty rope that you hang on to climbing down trees that were like so sharp and thorny. Hey, those trees were weird, weren't they? Yeah, they were mental. like strongest trees I've ever seen in my life. They, they were like <laughs> little bushes, basically, but like the bark was made of iron. Yeah. And the the kind of the the leaves and the branches were made of like razor blades. Like it. So you, you're Paint going the down picture. them and they are fuck me. They like ripped us to yeah, absolute yeah. shreds. Like our coats got destroyed. Our brand new Patagonia jackets. <laughs> and we we were thinking, yeah, descent. We'll we'll fly that a bit. We'll make up a bit of time back and. And it actually was, oh, it was it was brutal. Our, the, our feet at that point just sliding in the ed, to the end of our trainers, toes just smashing the end of our shoes. Both my big toenails fell off uh, in the couple yeah, of weeks oh, after that run. It, it was because horrible. It was, it was wasn't savage. It? We were like squelching in the shoes at this point, and not from water. We generally were, were pissing blood. It was uh, yeah, it was it was getting pretty bleak pretty quickly. And then we eventually got down to the bottom of descent. Massive milestone that we weren't expecting, but we were like, get in there. Uh, and we still had another 15K yeah. or so to get to the finish line. And we're pretty broken at this point. We've got a couple of uh, granola bars in our pack. That, that was a, a mistake we made looking back, is we thought when we get back down to kind of sea level, so to speak, we were by the side of the lake. We were like, that's it, done. Yeah, but it was still 15k finishing straight and 15k doesn't seem like a long way but when you're in that state 15k seemed like 100 miles it was like the rolling hills and you'd get over the next one a bit must be around the corner and then oh, it, was, like, it was no there's more there's that, that more. was the worst I've ever been in terms of 
mindset. Yeah. Like in my head, like we didn't speak for a good couple of hours. Oh no. Mutual you, understanding. Yeah. We're you, both battered. You had a bit of a second wind actually and, and, and kind of picked the pace up and dragged me with you. In my head, I was like, I, I just want to lie down. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to do this. Sat the 24 yeah, hours. Like, who I'm, cares? I'm, I'm properly in trouble here. I think we asked ourselves that a few times. Who actually cares? Yeah. <laughs> Why are we doing sh- this? Only nine people follow us. <laughs> <laughs> no one gives a shit. <laughs> and we could just lie. <laughs> yeah. That was a thing. It was... It's a weird question, actually. Like, why were we doing it? But there's something in us that were dragging us one foot in front of another, and we just fucking carried on. I know. Uh, but and then we ran out of water, and oh god, this is this ev- is hanging. Everyone told us they're like, okay, you can drink the water on the mountain passes because it's glacial and fresh and amazing. But obviously, do not drink water out of rivers that are by the lakes. It's full of animals, and there's like cattle everywhere. Yeah, um, loads of wild animals. And obviously, we got to the bottom, and it was like, mm. <laughs> like absolute dry mouth. Part it's like, syndrome. It's like we've been smashing an absolute biffer on the way down. It was just like, and it was just like, right, remember, we can't drink out the water. You turn around, I've just got my head in a river. This is like, oh Jesus, man. Yeah, we. I remember filling our water bottles up in this stream. Like, yeah, this looks so clean, like perfect smash a bottle fill another one up to take with us we walk about five metres upstream and there's just this massive cow turd in there it's, <laughs> it's like, like fuck oh it. no fuck I don't care yeah, it's got to be some <laughs> electrolytes in that somewhere <laughs> that was um, yeah well, that was pretty bleak and at, we, uh, at the same time we can come into this realisation our last really big milestone before getting to the finish line was the second river traverse oh, it was a big one wasn't it yeah it was like a 20 metre crossing uh, and we were like you know, the the plan was to do both the traverses in the light so it was as safe as possible. And we've got one eye on our watch and the sun's going down, it's getting darker and darker, and we keep thinking this traverse is around the corner. But whew, I mean we missed that by about oh, four yeah. hours. It was, it was the dead of night. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't even close. It wasn't even dusk, it was pitch black. Yeah. So I remember rocking up to the bottom of that traverse and we, we actually had the GoPro on for a bit before it died. Oh, and so uh fucked. The, the yeah, the conversations we're having that don't actually make any sense. No. We're oh, trying to like check so each other's gosh. harness and check that we're we're safe and clipped in properly. They didn't make it easy that traverse. We had to climb up this pole that was about six metres high clip ourselves on just drag ourselves across this this final traverse it was like the river's raging at this point one person has to get to the other side before the other person can pull it back we couldn't help each other off the other side obviously because there was only two of us and we're trying to shout like scream at each other that I'm safe or I'm off or I'm I'm not there yet like stop stop fucking pulling the thing back <laughs> and we couldn't hear a thing because the river's raging it's like blowing an absolute gale as well so it was that was quite sketchy actually it was sketchy I remember you did it first and you had your head torch on mm. and you went across the river and then I could, your head torch just like disappeared yeah I was just stood there on my own, just like, oh, like, <laughs> no. I'm scared and tired, and I don't know if I can get onto this rope. Yeah. And it, it was sketchy, and we kind of made it across the other side, and when you're in the middle of that river, you're dangling down, and you look below you, and a few metres below you is this, like, raging, freezing cold water, and you're just like, oh, yeah. fucking hell. And it, if, yeah, if you go in that, it's taking uh, you into the middle of yeah, you've the, got, the glacial lake. You've you got, got a couple long. of minutes before you you're absolutely gone to yeah, we pulled out about six seconds we were yeah. like, probably would have done us a favour at that point it was um, bad but that was it we got over that 
and that that was the final thing. It was then a few k to this finish line, and yeah. the finish line for context was uh, it's essentially like <laughs> it was a, not a finish line. No, there was no one there. Uh, <laughs> it was basically a boat terminal. Um, so the, the trail ends at this boat terminal, and then in order the, the kind of the guide things we read, it's like, and then you can get a bus back to um, El Chalten. So we we're like amazing. Like, There's gonna be like infrastructure. Maybe we can have a coffee. Perfect. And we arrived to this boat terminal and what's a good way to describe it well essentially like a garden shed yeah it was smaller a big outdoor toilet yeah it It was was just like a shed yeah tiny tiny shed how can you I don't know the definition of a terminal (laughs) I mean I don't know it I'm thinking King's Cross you know Gatwick that That sort of thing that isn't a terminal lads it's just a boat shack yeah we still knocked on the door though didn't we oh yeah it's It's like hello hola que tal (laughs) que tal que pasa paso del viento absolutely no response but I mean we'd managed to do this thing in 17 hours and 22 minutes so there was also a sense of like shit like we've done this we've like proved to ourselves we've kind of like lumped this we've told everyone that we're going to do it in 24 hours Uh, we've put ourselves in an absolute hole like as deep as it it goes and we've pulled through it and we're like get in there like yeah, we're fucking proud of that. We've absolutely smashed that. That is amazing. And then we're like, yeah, high five. It's amazing. Like, have a little half a granola bar to celebrate. <laughs> Losers. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> and um, and then we're like, right. It, the celebration lasts for about 30 seconds. And then we're like, how, how, are, we, <laughs> what, how, how are we getting out of it? Like, we, we know, like... It's not that close. The El Chalten no, is not very 22K close. Twenty two k away. Twenty two k, something like that. And uh, looking down at our phone, no battery. Like we've got no way of calling someone. There's no signal anyway. You're like GoPros run out, phones run out because we've spent all day on it because we kept getting lost off the pass. So the GPS is hammered. Like Apple, like the watch is all gone. Like there's there's no battery of anything. We, and we've got this spot GPS mm. thing that we took on the road. Really expensive piece of kit, like we mentioned. Um, that is supposed to have signal everywhere in the world, uh, apart from Patagonia. Of, what a load of shit! Yeah, there, there must be some small print in there. We, we'll we'll get onto that bag of shit. <laughs> but we basically had a decision to make. It is like right, we can either try and find like a bush or something to sleep under until the light uh, kind of comes up. But that was a good, I don't know, a good seven hours away, and the temperature drops below zero most nights. So we, and we didn't have any sleeping bags or anything. So we probably would have died. So it's like right, we've we've got to um, we've got to get back to El Chalten, and we knew that was twenty two k away. And we knew there was one road, one road that kind of goes, um, that kind of goes back to the town, which we had to find. So we walked in one direction. Oh, again, one again. direction. Woo! Again, you, you gotta light up beautiful. the world like nobody. <laughs> Two different <laughs> songs, yeah, both bangers though. Um, so we had to find this road straight we, back in. Yeah, yeah. very professional. Yeah, absolute road. Well done. Fucking get them away. <laughs> If we find this road, we know that leads back to the town. So we were kind of trudging through this uh, like boggy wilderness by this lake, not speaking, in an absolute hole. Just well, we were limping when we t- we changed our socks, didn't we? Yeah. Because we had a spare pair of socks, and I remember taking our socks off, and it was you could literally wring the blood out of it. It was hanging, sticky, weird. We were Ugh. chucking our heads into drainage things, trying to get water. It it was an absolute mess. It was the low of the low. You'd think we were on 
spice yeah. and crack spice. if you walk past her. Been watching a lot of documentaries on homeless people recently. Okay, absolute spice community. <laughs> yeah, and I don't mean cumin. Um, um, but yeah, we were, you're right. Absolute whole, like... Oh, it was it was terrible. We were yeah hallucinating. Well, we got to that road, and then that was like right, okay. We now just need to walk along this road for fifteen k. Yeah, but yeah. at that point, I'm gone ski. Yeah, I'm trying to nap. Yeah, you were trying. I said, mate, we've got the record. Let's just sleep here. We'll wake up in the morning. <laughs> it's literally we'll like, call it a day. Literally like, mate, I'm I'm all right here. It's like <laughs> you'll die. <laughs> you can't sleep here. And we're walking along this road, and the wind picked up. So we had like an 80 kilometer an hour uh, headwind, and it was we were so weak by this point. We were being like blown backwards, falling over. We started hallucinating. Remember the stars on the horizon? I kept thinking they were like car headlights, and it's like, oh my god, yes! Like we're saved, we're saved. <laughs> and we'd be like waving, and then it's like, why isn't it getting fucking closer? And it's like, oh, it's a star. <laughs> It's a star again. It's just like, oh, not again. Yeah. And then we'd be devastated. We thought there was emergency phone boxes to yeah. call for some help. Just a road sign. Yeah. It was It was mental. Yeah. And it took... An- well, oh, you're fucking joking. What's that, guys? That's, a, that's literally a checkout alarm. It's not, is it? Yeah. 11 o'clock, must be. Is it actually? Yeah. Fucking wankers. How busy. How busy is that? I've never heard that. No, not wrapping it up either. So no, we're in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> As we were, we'll send it to you. Crown Plaza. Uh, Grand Plaza. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're, we're stumbling. It takes us, what, six hours? Six hours. The additional 22k. Uh, there's no running whatsoever. It's crawling by this point. Um, we're trying to find any sort of option. We're looking under bridges. And... Um, yeah, we've got a this spot device that is for this situation exactly when you're in a, a rough spot. At this point, you know, we, we're in a really dark place. We're kind of getting worried as well about our safety. It's starting to get colder. We know that the weather windows are closing in because the guys have told us before we start the run. And we're fully, fully fucked. So we're like asking ourselves and asking each other is this why we've got this thing is this why we yeah. pay a huge amount of money for a rescue essentially we had a long chat about it didn't yeah. we because I remember oh fuck off why not do one hey, we'll be like 10 minutes it's okay stop ringing the phone yeah, stop. <laughs> stop fucking putting the fire alarm on so yeah, we, we sat down and we had quite a long chat about pressing this button on the GPS because we pay a huge amount of money for this on a yearly basis and we were about 10, 15k out from the town on this road and we felt a bit bad. We were like, oh, is this an emergency? It's probably not. But it's like, what this thing does is you press the button on it, it sends a signal to, I think it's Dallas right. or Seattle maybe. That goes to their system. They go, right, these guys are in trouble. They then find the nearest emergency services, go speak to them, go, right, we've got two people here um, who need assistance, and they send them. So basically anywhere in the world, it could be you could get a helicopter pickup, it could be the police, it could be whatever. And we were like, do you know what, sod it. Like, we are royally in trouble here. Yeah. It's getting very cold. The wind is incredibly strong. And we, there's a big risk of kind of getting exposure. So it's, like, it's one of them, isn't it? If, if you don't press it, 
and something happens, really happens, you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. It was like, well, they had a spot with them. They had that device with them. It's like, yeah, they didn't think it was yeah. worth it. It's so British, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's like, don't want to inconvenience don't, anyone. I don't really want to treble them. It, <laughs> it is late. And it was like, no, sod it, let's press it. <laughs> so we built this moment up. It was like, I'm pressing it. And it was just like, press. And it was like, no signal. <laughs> it's like, you mother! <laughs> no signal. And it's like, all oh, right, that must be a glitch. It's like, press it again. No signal. Yeah. And their thing is like, this will work in like anywhere in the world that's the justification for the price from the Arctic to the Antarctic to the middle of an ocean to Patagonia and that is how remote Patagonia is it had no signal so we pressed it about six times and then we're like it's not working right sod it so we just had to do it so we crawled back for the last 15k we made it back into the town literally hands and knees put back past that bar same bloke <laughs> same bloke 24 hours later clearly a local just goes there every night Hero. same bloke outside yeah. battered again having a fag the difference he must have seen in us <laughs> these two chirpy little fuckers just coming out like yeah. with fresh fresh gear on <laughs> come back it's like oh my god are they alright they must have thought it was a better party down yeah. the road somewhere yeah. <laughs> but yeah I mean we we said to each other it's like can we go in there it's oh, like we wouldn't no, be able to get up the stairs yeah. it was like finally finally get back to the hostel it's like get in there it's like right where's the fucking key <laughs> and we'd lock the key inside the hostel hostel was locked it was like no 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 <laughs> uh, so we ended up sleeping on the porch of the hostel <laughs> so it, absolute joke to be woken up literally two hours later kicked by the cook for the hostel um, she's like why don't you just ring the doorbell we'd have let you in it's like there's a doorbell. <laughs> so you're a Didn't see it. Big red doorbell there. It's like, oh, Jesus. Finally stumbled in, into bed, uh, at a Fanta first. <laughs> yeah, big Fanta. Yeah, we walked in. It's like, you're right. It's like, two Fanta oranges, please, and a Morris bar. They were like, Jesus, these guys are looking rough. And we, we just passed out, didn't yeah. we? Must have slept for 18 hours. Yeah. Just completely conked out. And... Woke well, up to, well, woke up woke. to what we thought was going to be a hero's welcome. Well, yeah, because we obviously plugged our phone in because it was it was obviously dead. Uh, fell asleep and then got woken up by it ringing, uh, and it was my girlfriend Manny. Picked up the phone. I was like, "Oh, hey, like yeah, we did it." Wow. <laughs> wow! Wow! We wow! I was on the other side of the room and. Whew, I could you hear it. Motherfucker! It, it all like, came out. It's like holy shit! Like, yeah. and, and why was that? Well, your fault entirely. This is what happened. So reversing, reversing, rewinding back to when we pressed that GPS button five, six times. As we arrived into El Chao Ten, we obviously got a bar of signal on it, and so it pinged six SOS messages to the US. I, when we I signed us up to this spot device, you've got to put in your kind of next of kin details. Stupidly, I put my emergency contact or our emergency contact as Manny. So this thing sends a thing to America. They go, right, these two guys are lost in the Patagonian wilderness. They can only see our last position where, where we pressed it from. They call her at 3 a.m., middle of the night in the UK, 
She gets a cool. Hey there, uh, it's Janet from Spot GPS. Just to let you know, uh, we've got an SOS from Mr. Caulfield and Will. Uh, they are unaccounted for, but we are scrambling the army. <laughs> she's obviously like, they're dead. They're 100% yeah, dead. Yeah, she's They've thinking they They've fallen down a ravine. They're being eaten by mountain lions. They are dead. Yeah. And so she had like a six hour window of just not knowing our fate. We could have perished. Yeah. At which point we're just in dreamland. Yeah. <laughs> just like we're legends have crushed it. Two fantas deep, absolutely <laughs> chillaxing. And oh my God, fair. Oh, she was so worried. And they're like, what? what's she shouting at? We're heroes. <laughs> like, maybe something's, maybe I've missed something here. But yeah, no, it makes total sense. That is the, well, that's the worst thing you can hear, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. So do so, apologise. <laughs> To apologise. He's still apologising for the same Very thing. sorry, Fallon. And then soon after, like, you put the phone down, the ranger the ranger comes in, the head ranger from the area. We think he's coming in to have a go as well and, and be like, you know, you'll check that we're safe and, and see that everything's kind of as it should be. Um, but no, he's actually coming in just to see if he can buy any of our shit now we're done. It's, it's really weird over there. Um, it's obviously the same reason that it was a nightmare in Buenos Aires with the duty and the customs and stuff and everything really is pretty fucking expensive and we had a lot of kit that they obviously valued very highly and they offered us very good price yeah, give me a good price <laughs> so after finishing the bike ride within two hours of taking literally the distance of getting in, cycling through El Chalten to the hostel, enough people had seen our bikes that we'd had an offer to sell our bikes. Uh, and we uh, took it. And we did. And we, we sold them for more than market value in, in the UK. And they were fucked. And yeah, and we, we'd absolutely hammered them. And, and so this guy had just come in to be like, can I buy your jacket? He was like, jacket, can I, buy I was yeah. wearing a jacket and he was like, can I buy that? It's like, you haven't laughed. No. So, how much? Yeah, yeah. No, but how much have you got? Yeah, it was very weird, wasn't it? When he kind of like, he knocked on the door and was like, oh, like, you're, you're here, you're here. Because basically they got a call from the US or they had a message and they were going to scramble the army at first light. Right. Because that was the only, that's kind of the only emergency services around there. Yeah. So they thought we were still on the path so that the army were going to come and look for us. And then because we signed off that... We basically gave them a piece of paper before we left to be like, this is our hotel. Yeah. And what we were meant to do is they gave us like a, almost like a little voucher. Yeah. And they said, when you come back into El Chal 10, post that oh, yeah, through yeah. the letterbox. To let them know you're back. Yeah. And we obviously were on a different planet. So totally forgot to do that. Yeah. So they called the hostel being like, right, there's two guys are still out in the wilderness. And the guy's like, nah, nah don't worry, they're here. <laughs> they slept on the porch. Yeah, there's, there's loads of fanters on the floor. <laughs> they're fine. Don't worry about it. Because um, yeah, yeah, if we hadn't the kind of they hadn't called the hotel the army would have gone out for us right okay. that would have been embarrassing yeah really embarrassing especially because we wouldn't have been there yeah so was... good morning <laughs> what's all that noise <laughs> a couple of chinooks out front uh, yeah but it was hell of a hell of a day it's one of them classic thing of what can you do in 24 hours that's probably the most full 24 hours it was mental looking back on it and I remember our feet afterwards. Oh, it was gross. It was one of the most... I, I've never felt like that. Like we could, we were pissing in bottles in our bed. Because the toilet was 45 centimetres from my bed. <laughs> Surprised you couldn't reach. Yeah, but I <laughs> just sling it over there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The lasso. <laughs> <laughs> but we... <laughs> 
it, we, we literally couldn't walk. Our muscles were just shredded. The bottom of our feet was just like blisters, like an inch long and like 10 centimetres deep. Uh, it was yeah. it was disgusting. Toes bleeding. We did finally venture out the next day to the pub. Massive, massive Argentinian steak. Probably one of the best I've ever had. Yeah. Probably because of the situation rather than the steak itself. But whew, that was um, a yeah, hell of a day. And yeah, what better to wind down from that but to jump straight into a 100 kilometre stand-up paddleboard. Yeah, which was um, yeah. I mean, we were we were dreading it anyway, but to know that that was coming after after the run was pretty brutal. So that'll be what we talk about on the next episode. Um, and for now, we'll go to our social media. Where we got a few time. questions. We should probably get some jingles made. Oh, okay. It's just like question, time, question, time, question, time, question, 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 time. There you go. <laughs> right, I just recorded we, we that. that. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> one shot kill. That's <laughs> it. Um, right, so question number one. Any books you'd recommend for nurturing self-belief in the face of adversity? Oof. So it's a heavy one. I, I do know... Harry. Potter. <laughs> I know a good one, which is very similar to that, that a lot of people use for self-belief. It's called the Bible. Ooh. Um, okay. Yeah. I haven't read it myself. I think you. it's uh, in the fiction aisle, oh. but it's... Um, <laughs> Apparently that's good. It's good for self belief and hope. But um... oh, is that an absolute <laughs> stab at religion? No, but um... he's gone after the big guy directly. <laughs> he's just alienated at least fifty percent of whoever listens to this anyway. <laughs> um, but no books for self belief, non-fiction. Malcolm Gladwell is that he does the the ten thousand hour rule. Or, or Peak's quite good, isn't it? Pe- yeah, Peak is a very good book. Yeah, Peak by Anders Ericsson. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, read that. That's a really good book. It's very ba- interesting. Yeah, the, the the basis of it being you don't need to have done ten thousand hours, which is the the kind of old way of thinking to become a master or very good at something. Um, so we're obviously trying to put that peak to the test every time. Uh, but yeah, that that's the book, Peak by Anders Ericsson and Robert Poole. Very good book. Next question: What is your best advice for settling nerves? I'm going to go simple, I think. <laughs> Deep breaths. Deep breaths, yeah. In the moment. I mean, there's different nerves, isn't there? There's yeah, nerves. For sure. There's nerves for if you've got to stand up and give a presentation in front of 100 people. Yeah. Or there's nerves as in, like, when you climb. Yeah. I mean, there's two very different things. But I think it comes back to... I think that the classic one is... A lot of people ask us about the speaking is, oh, are you really nervous when you get up there? And I think with that kind of stuff, you've just got to sit back and be like... No one really gives a shit. Yeah. Like, no one is here to try and ridicule you or, or whatever. No one no one cares. Yeah. And the other side of it, the, the, the nerves of maybe, like, doing something, a race, a triathlon, a marathon, a climb, where you're just super nervous. And people, people get so nervous it affects their performance, don't they? Yeah. People are sick with nerves, which is, which is crazy. I think with that, it's, yeah, deep breaths... Quite a lot of self-dialogue, like, you know, the classics is like, like you're just going to crush this, like, you're fine, you can do it. That actually massively helps, and it sounds yeah. a little bit airy-fairy, but it, it, it's not. Because I think what we've learned from climbing is when you start panicking and you get nervous, 
it hugely affects the way you climb. Yeah. You grip harder. When you grip harder, you lose strength quicker. When you lose strength, you fall off. Yeah. And you're making decisions that you wouldn't make if you didn't have those nerves. Yeah. So a lot of what we're doing at the moment is trying to basically control them. Exactly. I think the nerves and, and when that does affect your performance or your ability, it kind of comes from a place of irrationality where you're, you're not thinking straight. You're purely thinking with fear at the front of your brain. And the thing I think we try and do is bring like perspective to the situation. So climbing, for example, just understanding that the process that you've been through to be safe is like reinforcement that, that you are safe. And the same with a talk. I'm just delivering a keynote in front of 50 people or something like that. It's not life or death situation. Next question. Uh, basically fundraising advice for the Atlantic Row in 2021 so I think oh nice this chap Chris is looking to do the Atlantic Row fair play to you congratulations fundraising advice probably the question we get asked most yeah what's the answer there isn't one really (laughs) yeah I'd say if I had to give three bits of advice it is one find your story like what's your hook what is what's your differentiation between other people doing like a race or whatever like why are you doing it and find that why and then use that as a story secondly persistence you've yeah. just got to send thousands of emails you will get thousands of no's but it, a lot of it is luck you get that one yes and when you get the foot in the door you've got to kind of utilize that and then the third one is what would the third one be i guess being quite strategic with who you speak to yeah everyone says to us oh yeah I'm gonna I'm messaging Garmin and GoPro and these people and these people and it's like okay but that is the brands that everybody is emailing and these companies they don't need they don't need to give you money now because they can just they get so much content for free so it's being strategic about who you approach yeah, think yeah. differently try and be unique you know although you think you it's original and, and it is to obviously it's, it's amazing to, to do these sort of things but yeah like you said these people are getting hundreds of emails a day for sponsorship and be unique stand out either in your story or with the story that you're trying to tell with those brands so yeah maybe look to companies that have never sponsored that sort of thing before and approach it in a way of why they should rather than going to the companies that you've seen on five boats in the past and they've you know they probably know far more about it than than you do um so yeah i'd look i'd look to do something totally different and yeah totally agree with the just relentless persistence yeah. you're going to feel like you're nagging people but you have to and do look for more small sponsorships rather than agree. four big ones no one's going to give you 20 grand simple as that go for 10 2 granders rather than 120 far more likely to happen so Good luck with that, by the way. Yeah, good luck. Keep us uh, up to date. Let us know how you're getting on with the fundraising and the training. And if you need any more help, just give us a shout. I'm happy to answer some questions. So that is the end of episode seven. Next week, we will be speaking about the world first 100-kilometer paddleboard and, more importantly, <laughs> celebrations <laughs> afterwards because that was a good one. <laughs> Thank you, guys. As always, please message us on Instagram. Send us questions for next week. We really want to hear from you. Share it review it it makes a massive difference uh we want to grow this um and get as many people involved as possible so thank you again and enjoy the week thanks for listening guys speak to you soon ciao ciao